You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with the human brain. It's the most incredible. It's like the final frontier, really. You know, we watch Star Trek and all that kind of stuff to try to see what's going on in space. We have this incredible universe within our own bodies and it's capable of so much. And we're just now starting to really understand what's going on with our miraculous brains and the things that they're capable of. So I'm very, very excited, very obsessed because everything in our reality is really stemming from and pun intended, stemming, stemming from our brains, you know, our experience of, of happiness, our experience of joy, our memories are all tied to the function of this incredible organ. And my passion and my job is really driven by how can we make sure that we can optimize those experiences? And it starts with optimizing this incredible organ. And with that said, I don't think there's a better person on the planet to have on the show to talk about how to actually feed our incredible brain and also some insights about what is your brain actually made of? So we're gonna talk about all of that and so much more today. But first, I'm on the road, I'm in NYC. And even before the show, somebody really special asked me, do I like NYC? And the answer is yes, because it's kind of surprising because my life coming from the Midwest is a little bit slower. You know, but I I love the pace here. And the thing is with the pace is just like immediate. You get to the stoplight, you better walk, you better get going when that light changes or you're going to get ran over, right? But also there's there's a deep passion with people here and there's a love of culture and there's a love of food. So many incredible healthy options here in NYC, surprisingly, and so many incredible uh, gyms and yoga studios and Pilates and Zumba. Just you can't really go a block without seeing something cool that's pro health. And so uh, I love this city and I'm here at the studio and we got our special guest in the house. So we're going to get into that. But when I travel, you know, I'm all about optimizing my sleep. All right. And so one of those things and one of the biggest deficiencies today, we're seeing upwards of 80 to 90 percent of the population is deficient in magnesium. This is like the biggest mineral deficiency that's happening right now. And the reason is it's a kind of an anti-stress mineral. It's dealing with a lot of stress. And there's over 325 biochemical processes that magnesium is responsible for. Even your experience of having energy. It's, I was taught in school, it was like ATP, right? This energy currency. But it needs to be bonded with magnesium as well. So it's really MGATP to kind of be this active currency. And so energy, recovery, muscle function, and also sleep, right? And this has this kind of like a relaxation type of response in the body. But here's the issue. Being such a big mineral deficiency, food first, eat more magnesium-rich foods, given. Part two, supplementation, you got to be careful, right? Over 10 years in clinical practice, early on, I would recommend folks, and this is one of the only things I recommend as far as supplements for across the board was magnesium. I'd have clients coming in and patients to take an oral supplement of magnesium. And here's the problem with that. We have something called this bile tolerance, right? And if you take even a little bit too much, you get what we call clinically disaster pants, right? AKA poopy pants, AKA diarrhea, 
All right. So you have to be careful about the amount of magnesium take with the oral supplement. My solution was topical magnesium. All right. Our skin eats. And, you know, just like there's all these fancy hormone creams today. Um, but the thing is, there are so many different magnesium products that you can rub into your skin topically, but they're somewhere on the line of like 70 to 90% absorbable. The one that I use, and I've been using for over five years, is called Ease Magnesium. It's a super critical extract, 99.9% .9 absorbable, all right? And the company itself, they're doing everything the right way. And this is a really great viable way to get your magnesium levels up in a smart way without getting disaster pants, all right? So food first, possibly oral supplementation, definitely Ease Magnesium. I highly, highly recommend it. It's one of the things that I get the most comments from folks talking about and just so overjoyed that they started utilizing it for improving their sleep, improving their energy levels, recovering from different injuries and pain. The stories are crazy, but that's because magnesium is responsible for so many different things. 325 biochemical processes. That means there's like 325 things your body can't do or do properly without it, All right? So definitely check them out. It's easemagnesium.com. That's E-A-S-E-M-A-G-N-E-S-I-U-M.com forward slash model. All right. You're going to get 15% off Ease Magnesium. And also they have a deep soak product that you can pour into your, your bathtub. All right. I know you about, you know about the Epsom salt bath, right? This classic, this is the upgrade version. Okay. Head over, check them out, easemagnesium.com forward slash model. Now let's get to the iTunes review of the week. Another five-star review titled Love It by Alex the Moneymaker. This is a podcast to listen to if you're someone who wants to dramatically increase your health, longevity, human performance, and spirit. Sean delivers a slew of implementable information in the most easy, understandable, straightforward way. And this is just one of the plenty reasons why I favor the Model Health Show and have become a better person because of it. If you're someone wanting to upgrade your life, then you need to hit the subscribe button. Keep up the amazing work, Sean. I love that so much. A slew of implementable action items, things to execute on. I'm very, very big on action items. And today you're definitely gonna get a bunch of those. And just thank you so much for taking the time to share that and leave that review. If you've yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. It would mean a lot. All right, and on that note, let's get to our special guest and our topic of the day. Now, I usually don't read the bio word for word, but I'm gonna share some of this because she might just be like the most incredible person on the planet, all right? Dr. Lisa Moscone, PhD, INHC, is the Associate Director of the Alzheimer's Prevention Clinic at Weill Cornell Medical College, where she is also Associate Professor of Neuroscience and Neurology as well, amazing, and also an adjunct faculty member at the Department of Psychiatry at NYU School of Medicine. She has a PhD in neuroscience and nuclear medicine mm -hmm. and is also, and this is what's so cool about her, all right? She's also an integrative nutritionist and holistic healthcare practitioner, blending all of these things together in a really, really special way. Now, that being said, having such a diverse background and there's mm -hmm. so many different things, I could read her bio for another five minutes, all the things she's accomplished but she's taken this work and really looking at what actually works for feeding the human brain. She's got a brand new book 
called Brain Food that I have right here. And it is one of my top 10 books of the year for sure. Easy, probably top five. Let's just be honest. And I'd like to welcome to the Model Health Show, Dr. Lisa Moscone. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. So you've done a lot. You've accomplished yeah. a lot. Do you even realize how awesome you are? No. I usually I do not. You know, I'm an academic. Yeah. So we just got all these titles, but we don't really appreciate them. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that I can extend some appreciation your Thank way because you. you've like really put in the work and mm-hmm. you've put together something that's very special and it's so digestible because I know firsthand me, after I'm graduating, I'm writing and creating these things that's really written for other intellectuals instead of like let's make this accessible and easy to understand because that's what the point is Mm -hmm. you know that was very hard for me yeah i'm a scientist i'm a neuroscientist by training and i i usually write for scientists so i write a lot of scientific papers and they're very very cut and dry yeah you know the p-value is yeah. this much and the chi-square is that mm-hmm. but yes writing for the public is a is a very very different experience and even doing very that. rewarding very yeah. hard for me also because english is actually my third language your third language yes wow. italian and french wow and my first two so it, it was hard it was it was probably it was challenging but i'm sure it helped you grow quite a bit oh, for sure <laughs> <laughs> very humbling yeah very humbling experience. and that's all wow I, was your was your daughter born? So that's interesting. I signed the contract to write the book mm. three weeks after she was born. Wow. And so I wrote the book. Um, I had a year to yeah. write it. So she was an infant, of course, for the entire time. And my husband used to live in Boston. Mm. He used to work at MIT. He, he was a professor at MIT. Yeah. So that yeah. was... <laughs> Holy moly. When people are I like, really credit my nutrition to the fact that I was able to keep it together. Mm. Like I was working full time on two hours of sleep and reading the book whenever I could. Yeah. And, and, I, I, and I, I just really gave think, you a copy of Sleep Smarter as well. Yes, exactly. So sleep <laughs> actually is my is the thing I'm not doing right. The kryptonite. Is my crypt yes. For a superwoman. Mm-hmm. Can't yeah. sleep. Yeah. Well <laughs> I mean I do sleep. But I could I really look forward to, to reading your book and getting some, some tips. Uh, it makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much from you already because mm-hmm. I got my hands on your book first. And of course, we're going to dive into this because mm-hmm. some of these insights, and by the way, so I could catch those moments in the book where it's like, oh, she's getting her sign, her science yes. pa- pants on here. I know. I and, but know, I'm I like, I'm, she's trying to like make this even more simple. But I, and also my audience too, we like to know stuff. Right, and so yeah. it's just like something that, it's not just the basics, right? Like mm-hmm. this book is not just for folks who are looking for basic information. For different of It's heart. a little bit more upgraded. This, yes, you it's, know. it's the way a neuroscientist thinks about the brain. Yeah. And I had to cut out a lot, yeah. actually. But I fought <laughs> to keep some information. I was like, this is really important. You, yeah. you need to understand how the brain works yeah. in order to really optimize what you do for your brain. Exactly. Not just in terms of food, but everything else that, that really impacts brain health. Absolutely. And if you don't know how the brain works, it's really hard to tell what is true and what is not. And there are a lot of conflicting theories about brain health and brain nutrition, especially. And I find a lot of people can't really tell which one to follow or who to listen to because they perhaps don't have the basic knowledge themselves. And once you do, then you're able to really criticize what you read and, and be more inquisitive, perhaps, or ask more questions instead of being like, 
okay, today I'm vegan and tomorrow I'll be on the keto diet. And yeah, I love that. That, Again, that just really speaks to me because there's there's just a lot of data out there. And there's a lot of. There are a lot of opinions. Absolutely, right. right. More than data. And a lot of anecdotal, you know, evidence, which we can't negate that. But at the same time, if we're really going to reach and help the greatest amount of people, we need the science. And so Mm -hmm. what I loved about you and what you do is that you actually are looking at the organ that you talk about, (laughs) which is like just huge for me right off the bat. Instead of like being based on a conversation that, oh, well, you actually just need some, you know, Zoloft or you just need some, <laughs> uh, you know, you just need some <laughs> zinc or whatever just off of a conversation. And some things, of course, we, knew, we know across the board there are requirements, mm-hmm. but many of these things, we might not be deficient on a drug. We might not even be deficient on a supplement. Yeah. And so really starting to understand um, more holistically what's going on with our brain. And so before we get to that, I mm-hmm. want to ask you just even how? Why? Like, okay, so... <laughs> Being from Italy, right? Yes, I was born and raised in Florence, in Italy, and uh-huh. I went. Um, I went to a French high school. Okay. So I spent a lot of time in France. A French high school in. So the French the school was based in Florence, but okay. we would do all all the classes. Most of the classes were in French, mm-hmm. and then we would spend a lot of the year in France. So I was in Paris for a long time, in Lyon, uh, Blois, a little wow. city in the north, Marseille. So was your love or passion like where did you start getting so interested in science and why oh in science yeah. um well my parents are both nuclear physicists <laughs> <laughs> i should put it in my bio yeah yeah right? that's so both it's gonna them. make a very interesting baby wow <laughs> <laughs> right yeah uh yeah so my my parents are nuclear physicists um My cousin is a biologist, my uncle and my aunt are engineers, so uh, I think I was exposed to science from a very young age. Like I was the weirdest kid in school. I had no idea who Cinderella was, but I knew everything about gravity. (laughs) And that was in kindergarten, so that was was interesting. Yeah, but I think I never questioned that. I just assumed that I would would be a scientist myself. Mm. And so I went to... um, I started school, I went straight to neuroscience, which was new in Florence. We were uh-huh. the first year. Oh, that's yeah, so cool. It was the a, timing. Yeah. That's... Mm-hmm. It just opened and I, I, we have to take an exam and only some people can get in school. Yeah. And so I got in and it was great. Mm. And so what happened is that I, my grandmother started showing signs of Alzheimer's disease around that time. Mm. And then her two sisters also developed dementia within a few years of that and their brother did not which was quite an eye-opener for me yeah for my mom and for of course for for myself and so i started working in in the field of alzheimer's disease immediately in college and also should say that my my mom is a nuclear physicist she was teaching students who then transferred to medicine Mm -hmm. nuclear medicine yeah and they used to babysit me when I was little. <laughs> and then when I got, you know, when I was old enough to actually understand what they were doing, I started training with them. So immediately, I was, I was the youngest. Babysit? Yeah. Yeah. They were Most kids are me. like <laughs> watching Netflix and you're like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. No, no. It was, it was interesting. But so immediately I asked them, can I come 
you know, volunteer, can I train with you guys? Because they were looking at the brain. They yeah. were doing nuclear medicine is really code for radiology with radioactive isotopes. Yeah. So when you look at scans of the brain where some parts are blue, some parts are red and yellow, that is nuclear medicine. We look at functionality inside the brain, the, the biochemistry of the brain. Now I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to do. And they immediately put me to, to work on a project about Alzheimer's disease because I yeah. was so interested in that. And I never stopped. Mm. So I've been working in, in the field of Alzheimer's it's driven forever. by your family members. Yes. And specifically, um, I was interested in prevention yeah. of Alzheimer's and what causes Alzheimer's, what triggers it, and what do I do to stop it, right? Yeah. And so then I moved to New York to look at the genetics of Alzheimer's. And within a couple of years, I was just so disappointed yeah. because, I mean, in a good way, because it turns out that genetics doesn't play such a big role as we previously thought it would. So there are some genetic mutations that cause Alzheimer's, right. but that's really less than 1% of the population. Less than 1% less than of, 1 the of the population is a direct genetic mutation yes. resulting. Yes, much wow. less, less than 1%. That doesn't... That is not to say that genetics don't count. Of Absolutely. course, everybody Absolutely. has a genetic makeup. We yeah. have genetic risk factors, but they're not as impactful as we previously thought they would be. Yeah. And so I started thinking, well, what then makes the difference here? And that's how I started looking into lifestyle. And specifically nutrition, because it was really my research that pointed me to diet is a major factor that impacts the, the health of the brain because I was looking at everything. I was looking at exercise, intellectual activity, mm -hmm. diet, nutritional quality, vascular risk factors, all sorts of vascular risk factors that are known to impact the brain, obesity, diabetes. And when you put them all into your statistical model mm -hmm. and you have the brain as something you're trying to predict, diet is the one factor that kind of always stands out, wow. accounted for everything else. Yeah. So that really convinced me that the diet had a huge role. And then I, I founded, I started a lab when I was at NYU. It was called, the, not a great name, but it's the, the Nutrition and Brain Fitness Lab. So scientists are very to the point. Yeah. Nutrition and Brain Fitness Lab. And we were doing brain scans, which is really, it was really new mm -hmm. back then because everybody would just measure your diet today and then wait 10, 15 years until you either developed Alzheimer's or do not, yeah. right? And then they would collect information on hundreds of people and then go back to the data they had collected 20 years prior and go like, oh, the people who 20 years later developed Alzheimer's ate a lot of saturated fat, a lot of trans fats, a lot of cholesterol, and the other people did not. But that's really bypassing the brain. Right. For me, I want to know what's happening inside your brain as you eat certain foods, as you follow a certain diet. And... Can I change it? Yeah. So I, I decided to to use brain scans to do that, which was is still kind of not really common practice. Yeah, it is definitely not, no. definitely <laughs> not. And you actually talk about um, this, th the fact that the brain has really its own unique diet. Yes, you call this neuronutrition, mm -hmm. and it's different from that of the rest of the body. Yes, it which is, which is really interesting. So why? Yes. Why is that? So I, I also thought it was really fascinating. I must, as a scientist, we're not trained in nutrition, zero. Yeah. Medical doctors are usually not trained yeah. 
in diet or nutrition either. So when I was studying, I, I studied a lot of biochemistry. And I was reading all these names like magnesium, potassium, sodium, phospholipids, choline, and I never questioned, but where do they come from? Right, I just right. assume well, it's something that's same inside thing your brain. For me, same thing. Right, and instead, they're, they're from the foods you eat. And that was, for me, it was really like, whoa, I never really, you know, I never thought about it. Yeah. And I, you know, I took a lot of biochemistry, yeah. a lot of neurochemistry. And so I started doing a lot of research in that regard. And most of the studies are from the 70s and the 80s. Like, they were done so long ago that basically we have lost trace because they were published in print, mm. right? There, there are no electronic copies of that. So I had to go back to the library, which is wow. a fantastic experience, so yeah. quiet. And really, <laughs> yeah, I really just request, you know, scan copies of these super ancient uh, papers. But it, it turns out that, so the, the way the brain works um, is fascinating to me. So the brain is, is an incredible organ, and it's actually the only, it's the most protected organ in the entire body and that's in part why we don't associate that with food because we're taught in neuroscience school or in medical school that the brain is isolated from the rest of the body right. it's literally shielded the blood -brain by barrier. a blood-brain barrier yeah. right that just enables specific substances to go inside the brain and kind of precludes access to everything else but the truth is that this barrier has little mm. gates right mm. that are specific for the nutrients that the brain needs and the brain itself opens the gates and then closes them back once it got the food it, need, it needs. Right? So there are specific gates that tell us what kind of nutrients are good for the brain and needed by the brain because these are the only nutrients that the brain has gates for right. and then can get inside the brain. And they're really a handful. Like there are about 100 nutrients that are important for health overall, but the brain only has access to, I'm going to say, 30. Mm. And we need to constantly replenish these nutrients because the brain needs them. Yeah. Right? We have little sugar gates. So mm, the brain, right. when the brain glucose levels go down too much, then the brain will just open the gates and allow the glucose to flow right in. And when it's done, the gates close. So it's not us. You know, we're not necessarily influencing brain nutrition as much as the brain itself saying, oh, I'm hungry. I'm not hungry anymore. Mm. And that's very special because it doesn't happen in the rest of you. And uh, I, I thought it was beautiful, right? It's such a strong protective mechanism that also guides us in terms of what kind of foods and nutrients we should be eating yeah. on a daily basis and what kind of foods and nutrients are not that helpful instead, there's at least so, for the brain. There are so many interesting things in your book and the way that you stated certain things really just kind of like set off a light bulb for me. <laughs> and... I want to ask you about what makes brain cells different from other cells in our bodies. They don't because, die. Yes. Yeah, they're irreplaceable. So in the rest of the body, all the cells um, get re regenerate. So there's a specific turnover. Like, for instance, red blood cells uh, die and get replaced all the time. Hair. People lose hair all the time, but then they grow them back. And that's why even short diets have an impact on the rest of the body. Yeah. because your cells have a turnover that can easily be modified, right? So when the new cell is born, you are affecting the development of the new cell. So you can kind of control and guide your body to do certain things. Not inside the brain, 
So our brain cells are born with us, stay with us for a lifetime, they die with us. And the way it works is then there's an explosion of neurons as soon as we're born. And then there's actually a lot more brain cells inside your head than stars in the Milky Way. See, this goes back to that Star Trek I was talking about at the beginning. (laughs) Everything is about Star Trek, yes. Um, But then as the baby develops, some of the connections, some of the neurons are lost. And then by the time we reach adolescence, we pretty much have all the brain cells we're ever going to have. And there's been a lot of work showing that neurogenesis continues also in the adult brain. So neurons keep growing and keep being formed. But in reality, it's just really a minority right. of brain cells. In just certain so places cute. in the brain. Yeah, they're like in the hippocampus, in the memory center yeah. of the brain, in, in other uh, parts. But by and large, that doesn't really happen. If it does happen, it's dendrites. So it's, the, it's like the, the appendixes of the neuron, not, not the neuron itself. So we really have to take care of our neurons because they, they, they can't just be replaced. I think that's one of the biggest insights I want people to get today mm. is how important it is to take care of those cells because you don't get new ones. You don't. Yeah. Also, you can't change them as easily as the rest of you. So yeah. if you read like in a book that in 21 days you're going to change your brain forever, it's just not true. It's impossible. Mm. It is biologically impossible. It takes time. It takes time and consistency. And also, there's something interesting about the brain. And I would see this, of course, in people coming into my office, experiencing, you know, migraines and headaches. Mm -hmm. They're thinking, and I remember growing up, like, you think your brain hurts, but that's not actually reality. And now it's your muscles in the neck and even here in the head. Because the brain cells don't have pain receptors. They do not have pain receptors. So you can, the brain cannot feel pain. That's nuts. Yeah. And... So even with that said, the brain not having pain receptors, it's not like your hand that can tell you that it needs some treatment, mm-hmm. right? So can you talk a little yes. bit about that? Yes. So, well, the brain is not able to feel pain because the brain is in charge of feeling pain everywhere else in the body mm-hmm. and making sure that we address that pain, right? If we had pain receptors in the brain, we would be really in trouble because we just couldn't think straight most of the time. Um, the, the problem with that is that it's very hard to, to understand the health status of your brain, that we have no access to what's going on inside our brain. Is mm-hmm. our brain in trouble? We don't know. And we will not know until there are symptoms that become evident in terms of behavior or like movement disorder mm-hmm. or insomnia mm-hmm. or basically we need a deficit to know that the brain is in trouble. And that also speaks to prevention, really. We should not wait that long because that means that um, whatever is going on in the brain that's causing the symptom has reached and passed a threshold that just makes the brain itself unable to deal with that. Mm. So by the time you get to the point, you have a disease or you have a condition that is severe and needs attention. now we're able to look again, look at the organ that yes. was so hidden yeah. and so protective. And you can see where the potential areas might be or potential areas of trouble. And yes. you can prescribe certain plan of action yeah, based on that. Sure. For sure. We, we do, um, so the Alzheimer's prevention clinic that I'm associate director of, we do brain imaging on all the patients in my studies. And 
and also I used to do it at NYU for 12 years mm -hmm. before I moved to Cornell. And in younger people, it's rare to find like a, a, an actual severe problem, but it's very common to, to find aneurysms, digestive growing, uh, brain tumors. Do you know, they're so common. Wow. They're so much more common than, than anybody would imagine. <laughs> and they're not necessarily malignant, you know, they could yeah. be benign, but it's something that requires attention. Right. And if you have some symptoms of memory loss and confusion, it's very likely because something is pushing against your brain and it's creating issues. Or um, hydrocephalus, that when you have too much fluid inside your brain, or brain inflammation, mm. that's a problem. Or brain atrophy is something we need to address. Mm. And a lot, of, um, a lot of things that happen in the brain are really related to food and to food choices because the brain uses neurotransmitters to communicate for brain cells to communicate with each other they use neurotransmitters like uh, serotonin which i'm sure you mm -hmm. talk about in your book uh, dopamine acetylcholine which is the neurotransmitter that makes memories inside your brain and they're all built on food yeah. on very specific nutrients that the brain needs in order to make these neurotransmitters yeah and i mm. want to get all into that <laughs> i want to yeah. ask you first about this concept that the first time I've seen this was this concept of brain reserve. Yes. Can you talk about that, please? Sure. So, um, because brain cells are by and large irreplaceable, uh, the health and the quality of your brain cells give you some kind of reserve, mm. which is basically, it's like um, the higher the quality of your cells, the more resilient your cells are, mm -hmm. the healthier your cells are. Uh, the more interconnected your brain is, um, the higher its ability to withstand insults down the line, right? So it, it makes sense that the healthier you are, um, the better you'll be able to face a number of, of issues down the line. You get a cold, you just get back in shape in a day. Mm -hmm. But if your baseline is, is not that good, then it's much easier to get sick or to be more vulnerable to a number of things that can happen. Mm. So it's kind of like a reservoir, yes. like a just utility mm -hmm. can go in, you know, if it if it's built up in a strong way. Yes. Okay. So mm -hmm. we really want to. It gives you resilience against yes, disease and against aging, and it's something that that we need to cultivate really over a lifetime. And it's not just genetic. So when this concept developed. Uh, it was assumed that your genes played a huge role in determining your brain reserve, mm. right? And then mm -hmm. some people are just more genetically blessed than others. Mm. And now instead, it, it turns out that it's really, it, sure, there, there is a genetic component. There's yeah. some kind of blueprint that comes from your parents and from your DNA. But the way you live your life has a huge effect on the health of your brain. Yeah. So shout out to people that are blessed. <laughs> with a good brain but also there's we all really are we have so much potential and yeah. man this is so fascinating so let's talk about food let's talk let's about talk how about food it. relates mm -hmm. to the form and function of the brain first let's start with the form of the brain itself hmm. what are our brains made out of ah well the, the our brains are made of food are made of nutrients right so the brain is made of um, chemical Wait, yes. So I just want people to get this. Your brain responsible for everything in your reality is made of the food you eat. Please continue. <laughs> well, 
Well, so the brain is made of nutrients. The, the brain is made of, of chemical molecules that we call nutrients. With the difference that the brain makes a lot of the nutrients on its own. Right. Right. So, Which is different for people because we might think like this, these Cheetos or whatever is <laughs> going to become my brain. It doesn't no, work like that. No, it doesn't work like that. Although Whereas, they will have a, an impact. Yeah, definitely have an impact, but more... Likely, you know, you can make other tissues out of these different foods, whereas Much your brain makes a lot of these nutrients or these compounds itself, itself. which is very, very fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to, to clarify that, you know, I read it very often that the brain is made of fat, and so we should eat a lot of fat to replenish brain fat. And uh, cholesterol you know, is very prevalent brain fat, and saturated fat is prevalent in the brain. But in truth, uh, the brain makes them on its own. So cholesterol is made only, only by the brain as soon as we're born. And brain cholesterol is completely sealed away from the rest of the body for the entire time that we're alive. There are no gates in the blood-brain barrier mm -hmm. for cholesterol. So no cholesterol from food will ever be part of your brain. So that's the first thing. Uh, saturated fat, there are gates for saturated fat, the smaller ones. Mm -hmm. But uh, what happens is that the brain um, opens the gates when we're little. Right. So children, uh, all the way throughout adolescence, but then these gates pretty much close. And that and makes we, sense because of the... Because the neurons are done, yeah. right? The brain has already all the neurons that it needs. And so cholesterol and saturated fat in the brain only have a structural role. Yeah. The brain cannot burn fat for energy. It is the only organ in the body that just can't burn fat for energy. So whatever fat is in the brain is just to give it structure, mm -hmm. right? And to just keep the neurons in a certain position and to wrap them with cholesterol and other fats so that it acts like um, a conductant so that the information, the electrical stimulus can fly faster mm -hmm. from one end to the neuron to the next neuron. Because the physical brain itself is mostly fat and water. Uh, mm. It's mostly water, 80%. Water and then fat yes. and then protein. Fat and protein is kind of a tie. Pretty close. Honestly, yeah. Once you take water out of the equation. Mm -hmm. And then probably vitamins and, and minerals. Yes. And very, very little carbs because they're just being used yeah. instantaneously. They just don't have time to sit around. But a lot of those fats, and again, it makes sense as well just with uh, nutrition for an infant, for example, is you're going to have that constituent breast milk. It's going to mm -hmm. be more saturated fat. Yeah, you need and it. And yeah, that that mm -hmm. makes but so much sense. But then you don't need it anymore when your brain is done. Right. Right. Once you have a brain. Yeah, I don't know who's making like breast just... milk smoothies out there. But, <laughs> well, in truth, I mean, I guess if you're getting any kind of milk, it's never mind. No, well, no, <laughs> in principle, it makes sense, but not after a certain age. Right. Right. I think. But so the only kind of fat that can't get inside your brain, and the brain needs and wants, yeah. is called uh, long-chain polyunsaturated fat. Which in, in English, yes. So that would be omega-3 and omega-6 yeah. polyunsaturated fatty acid or PUFA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's salmon I think it's a terrible, like that acronym is, it just sounds it's horrible. bad, right? There's PUFA, MUFA. Mufa? Mufa. Oh my. I don't know if somebody called me a Mufa. I don't know. <laughs> like, there's fighting words. Oh my goodness. So, and, yeah. but those omega 3s and omega 6s specifically are, those are essential. Those are essential fats. Yeah. These are, those are the only essential fatty you gotta acids. You got to get those that in the brain via our diet. Make, and we need to, to eat them. 
yeah. daily, especially the omega threes, because um, the typical Western diet is pro-inflammatory. It's very rich in foods that contain a lot of omega six, mm -hmm. and so usually the ratio is like ten to one or twenty, 20 to one. Yeah. Whereas a good ratio for a healthy brain is more like two to one. one. So yeah. two omega six for every one molecule of omega three. That's the good ratio. Let's say yeah. four to one is acceptable. But 10 to 1 or 20 to 1 is, is too much pro-inflammatory fat. Yeah. And I guess like a systemic inflammation, like that's going to affect our brain probably as oh, well. Oh, for sure. Yes, yeah. yes. So the brain is the most metabolically active organ in the body, right? It takes over 20% of the entire energy production in, in, inside the body. But the brain is also really delicate. It's very, very sensitive to oxidative stress, which is the formation of free mm -hmm. radicals. Yeah. And so it, it's very easily inflamed and oxidized, which is like the rusting effect that makes your cells age faster. So a pro-inflammatory diet just literally makes your brain age faster. Mm. You don't want that. We don't want that. No. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so physical structure, we've got water, fat, protein, yes. uh, minerals and vitamins. Yeah. Specifically, and we'll get into some foods and just dive a little bit deeper on those omega six yeah, in a moment. This is a lot of chemistry. <laughs> so I want to ask you about again, just to reiterate a little bit about this blood-brain barrier, mm -hmm. right? Or the BBB. BBB. Yes. Makes since we're making acronym, not big baller brand. So no disrespect to is it Lavar Ball? I don't know the don't Ball know. family. Just yeah, don't worry about it. You just keep doing science. <laughs> um, but. Uh, this blood-brain barrier is very specific, and you said there's about 30 things, just yeah. around 30 things, 30 nutrients that are yeah. going to be able to actually access and get in the brain, in the brain mm -hmm. itself because your brain is very selective. Even though yeah. it's very metabolically active, I think it's somewhere it's like using like 20, 25% of your yeah. caloric intake. Yeah. Crazy. Yes. But it's very selective. It's but very choosy. But thank God it does now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's a choosy lover. Um, so... I want to just circle back really quickly and ask you about the cholesterol. So the yes. cholesterol, obviously, dietarily, we're seeing new insights about it being important. For, but first of all, your, your body's making a nice amount of it, you know, your liver, yes. um, to do these processes because it's a kind of a prerequisite to making sex hormones, for example. Yeah, for sure. But that dietary form of cholesterol is not the same that you're going to see in your brain because, no. again, your brain mm -hmm. is able to make its own. Yes. Is that right? Yes. So, in, so the brain makes neurosteroids okay. that are different from mm, the rest wow. of the body. So, yeah, and cholesterol is, mm. is a special blend inside the brain, which is different from, from the rest of you. I mean, it's the same substance, but it has different uses and different functions and just can't get in touch. With, with the rest of the cholesterol. So, you know, and there's blogs or books that say you should eat a lot of fat to get smarter or happier or whatnot. Mm. It's just, just not true. Yeah. It's just plainly Doesn't work not like true. That. No, but they can increase your risk of heart disease. Yeah. In that. So Especially that's something, a lot that's of the wrong stuff. Mm -hmm. So we have shown that even though these fats, uh, cholesterol, saturated fat, transunsaturated fat, they can't get inside the brain, they do have some indirect effects. Because not for everybody, but in, in, in some people, they really can produce inflammation. Mm -hmm. And the inflammation that you have in the rest of your body is able to get in the brain as well. Because mm -hmm. cytokines can cross 
mm. blood barrier. So it's if you have inflammation in the yeah, rest of you, it can also affect your brain indirectly. And of course, if your heart is suffering, then your brain suffers as well. Mm. Right. If it's yeah. bad for your heart, it's bad for your brain. Yeah. There's okay. a saying in cardiology that you're, you're only as old as your arteries are, mm. which is so true. It's really true because if your arteries are not nice and clean, yeah. then blood can't get to the brain. Oxygen can get to your brain, cannot get inside your brain. And then your brain starts aging faster mm. because it really needs it like constant. Like blood flow to the head is, is a major predictor of, of brain health got it. and brain function. So we've got water. Again, we've water. got uh, fat, <laughs> slightly fat. more fat than protein, protein. is close. Mm -hmm. So with protein... All protein or essential, essential, essential amino acids. Yes. So, so those are the ones number. we're looking for in our diet. Yes. So with that said, these essential aminos. So those are some of the ones that the brain has those gates for. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Got it. So <laughs> there's certain vitamins, minerals, proteins, and fats. Yeah. So I want to now talk about function. So we talked about form, yes. kind of what the brain is made mm -hmm. of. So. Let's talk about which nutrients do we know are critical for the function of a healthy brain. Mm. And I want to go first through some lesser known ones and then get okay. more to the known ones. Okay. A lot, everybody at this point hopefully has heard about the importance of omega-3s for their brain. But sure. now to know specifically from you, uh -huh. a neuroscientist, that this is actually getting there, I want to talk <laughs> about that for sure. But let's start with, let's talk about choline. Yeah. What is that? Let's talk about it. It's what a B is? vitamin. Yeah. <laughs> So choline is, is a B vitamin mm -hmm. that is used by the brain to produce acetylcholine. And acetylcholine is a major uh, neurotransmitter mm -hmm. that the brain uses to produce memories. Mm. So we need B vitamins, especially choline. Did you say choline or choline? Choline. Choline. Okay, so I'll say that But too. I like how you say it too. In Italian, I say colina. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. So choline, and for yes. me, you know, I would go for eggs. Yes. I would go for bee pollen is yes. a good source. Royal jelly. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. See, pollen. and I didn't see this in your book. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not through all the book yet, which I love this book. I'm going to... There are certain books that I just feel that it's like mandatory. Like if you really want to be um, really masterful about your health, mm -hmm. I think it's so important for us to understand our brains. I agree and I cannot believe there's not a brain food book specifically and then um, created by somebody who's been in the lab and like looking at this stuff. And it's just like, mm -hmm. you're basically like an, an X-Men. You're like an, a mutant <laughs> of health, you know, like to have both of those sides. It is and bizarre. so it's it like a, a big confirmation mm -hmm. for certain things and other things just like, well, that makes sense. Mm. You know, let's just like toss that whole concept out. And so uh, I'm just, I love your book. So you. choline is one of them. Yes. I have more sources. Oh, can we talk about caviar or fish eggs? Let's go. Let's do let's it. Let's do it. So What's the other? There's caviar and there's some other little eggs as some well. Row. Row, yes, the row. row. Yeah, okay. because, row, you know, row your boat. You know, Let's I didn't go. know until the book came out that in the states, caviar is really fancy food. Yeah. In Italy, there is no dis there is no distinction between the fancy black caviar mm. and just fish eggs. Mm. We just use the words the word caviar for everything. Yeah. And so when the book came out, I even have it on the cover. Mm -hmm. If you see one of my little, this is caviar, right? It's yeah. Salmon row. Yeah. It's my number one brain food. And everybody was wow. like, but it's too expensive. It was like, but fish eggs are not 
really yeah. that expensive. And so I learned that I you have to clarify salmon roe or fish eggs. Yeah. <laughs> when I heard caviar, I immediately thought of like Scrooge McDuck. Uh, like super wealthy, you no, know, great poupon, you know. It doesn't have to yeah. be. No, no, no. Fish yeah. eggs are actually not that expensive. So, but so they're the best. Um, so in, the nutritional composition of caviar or fish eggs in general is pretty much a perfect complement to the, to the nutritional composition of the brain. Mm. It's really a one-on-one because mm-hmm. they're very rich in choline and uh, choline. Um, phospholipids, omega-3 fatty acids, a good amount of protein, but they also contain um, antioxidant vitamins. It contains vitamin A, vitamin C in some amounts, vitamin, a little bit of vitamin E, and mostly selenium. Yeah, and selenium, selenium. Is, a mina- is a very rare mineral. And it's super, super important. It's very for a lot important of because yeah. it's a strong antioxidant. And it's really hard to find in foods, like Brazil nuts. Brazil nuts, yeah. Are a good source. But caviar or fish eggs are an excellent source. Look at so, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always mention it because, of course, nobody eats caviar every day. Yeah. But, you know, once in a while, if yeah. it happens, add just that to so your, you know, it's also really good for your brain. Yeah, add that to your, your, your superhero utility belt of things to have <laughs> access to, you know. But it's, again, it's just having the awareness. Yes, and it's also, just a curiosity. Yeah, and the it's stigmas attached. because food, for, there's for, actually a reason to eat it. It's yeah. a good reason to eat it. For me, hearing that, like immediately in the book, I'm like, oh, that's fancy. Mm, like it popped up in my mind. Yeah. But it's a cultural it difference is. you know it is it is okay so we've got choline is one let's talk about tryptophan let's talk about tryptophan so tryptophan is an essential amino acid so it, it comes from protein that the brain uses to make serotonin a serotonin is a neurotransmitter that is involved in a number of functions uh, like mood sleep but also in memory we don't usually associate mm. Serotonin with memory, but actually has a really strong impact. And the the thing about tryptophan is that you know most people will just say, well, it, it's everywhere, and it's in many many different foods. Mm-hmm. But the point is that um, it comes usually with a lot of other amino acids that compete with each other to get passage inside the brain. So the the gates are the same. Mm-hmm. Right, and so tryptophan yeah, is usually yeah. the one that's left behind. Mm. So I think it's important to focus on foods that contain more tryptophan than, than the other Why ones. Why is tryptophan left behind? Is it slow? Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> because I think it's just not as abundant. So yeah, if you have a lot thing, of yeah. like tyrosine and a little right, bit of tryptophan, right. you're much more likely to get a lot of the the amino acid that is more abundant. Yeah, and that's why you need foods that are particularly rich. In tryptophan. That's super important. Mm. So this is essential before bedtime. Yes. Right. And this essential amino, so it's used to build serotonin, yes. which is a precursor for melatonin. Oh, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. So, but also there's yes. so much news today about serotonin and like the yeah. kind of this happy neurotransmitter, yeah. and then even yeah. antidepressants. A lot of them, you know, the SSS, yes. SSRIs. Mm-hmm. So, what the most important thing is like, are we even making it? In the first off. place, right? Yes. And so this mm-hmm. is one of the keys. So tryptophan, but when I hear tryptophan, because just, you know, past and going through life, but I know better today, but I would associate like Thanksgiving turkey. And you wrote about it in the yes. book too, because you're like, oh, we eat the turkey, tryptophan, you get sleepy. No, it's because- it's you eat too much. Yes, you just like <laughs> ate, like yeah. there's no tomorrow because I've done that. Like this is the last day of my life. I'm going to eat everything. <laughs> That's how we get on the holiday. Like I'm just going to- 
you know, but, and it's an experience, you know, we, we feast, but it's not the trip to fan, yeah, by no, the way. Milk is a better, is a better source, mm-hmm. like whole milk. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure everybody does. Oh, and like, when you, when you're little, you, you give warm milk with honey mm-hmm. to kids to help them sleep. Yeah. And that's because there's tryptophan in the whole milk yeah. is a good source. And um, if you combine carbohydrates with tryptophan, that actually helps push the tryptophan inside your brain. And you have so lactase. that's why you want to... There. Oh, with the sugar too with from the, the honey. Yeah. Okay. The sugar from the honey. So, but now are we talking about milk from... Uh, Cow, usually, uh, but goat is actually better. Okay. And also, like, is it genetically... Modified? No. You know, are no. we talking about like the cows like eating, you know, I don't know, Corn. candy? Right? <laughs> <Grains>. <laughs> because Usually true story, candy. there was this big spill that happened. It was like all these red Skittles that coated the, the freeway. You didn't see this? No. Okay. I mean, this was a while back, but this was going for feed for livestock. Really? Yes. Wow. Nuts. I think this was in Florida. I got to look this up. We got to put it in the show notes so it's not like, wait a minute. But some people are going to know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. And it's crazy, like the stuff that you, and and I've been pressing this in the culture. Now I see it everywhere. I'm not saying that I originated this idea, but you know, you are what you eat, ate. It's not just you are what you eat. No, it's true. And so like making sure that we're getting these different animal foods from healthier animals. And of course you do, you do make that, um, distinction in the book as well yes i I believe in organic especially for women if Mm. we can mention that yeah absolutely so um for women changes in hormonal levels are a natural problem that so many people just don't ever get to talk about you know women um, go through a series of endocrine transition stages Mm. as we mature through puberty but then the, the most shocking one perhaps is menopause In menopause is the loss of estrogen and progesterone and other hormones that impacts everything inside your body, but also your brain, which we have shown with brain scans, how for most, for many women, as they go through menopause, that's when Alzheimer's really begins Mm. in their brains. And something to know about women's hormones is that there are many substances that we put into our food, that we put in the environment, that we put on our skin that are xenoestrogens. They're foreign estrogens, and they are known to really mess up your own estrogen inside your body. So they act like estrogens, but they make everything worse. Like if you have a predisposition to breast cancer, they're they're likely to push you to actually get breast cancer. And this is the the Society for Neuroendocrinologists. And they actually, they, they put out a warning because we are drowning in plastic. And if you have food that is contained in plastic and if you heat up the plastic, then all the substances that are known to mess up your estrogens will just leak into your foods and then you end up eating them. And that really creates issues like um, men boobs, Mm -hmm. you know, or the fact that women, that girls become women at such a young age nowadays. This is not just first grade. Right, just, it's yeah. absolutely nuts, and like it's you just intense. said, so these xenoestrogens fit into receptor sites and like yes. basically turn on these estrogen-driven mm-hmm. programs. Yes, it just all makes yeah, sense. Yeah, you said it really well. And so, <laughs> well, you. you know, <laughs> and so what's so interesting about it is, like you just mentioned, these xenoestrogens maybe from bisphenol A or something like that from plastics, which yeah. is a fossil fuel, right? Uh-huh. And so, like this is, let's not even go down that. 
We we're talking about organic. And well, but that's why pesticides, organic is herbicides, so rodenticides, many of them are estrogenic. Yeah, they're yeah. all estrogenic. Or neurogenic. Some or, of them are well, like. Well, estrogen is a, is, a, is a brain hormone. Yeah. You know, we oh. tend to associate hot flashes and nice sweats and depression. We're not with, putting it together. With your ovaries, but they, these symptoms don't originate in your ovaries, they start inside your brain because estrogen has a strong, strong effect inside the brain. And food has an effect as well because food also impacts hormonal health in, in a big way. Yeah. That's fat, what this is all about. In particular, animal, so fat from animal food, mm. that also impacts estrogen production and not, not in a good way. Mm. It's been shown, it's not my own opinion, it's yeah. been shown to impact estrogen in women. So you can't in, in just go way. ham on ham, you know? Or, no, no, especially yeah. for women. You yeah. know, it's, it's not just. Heart disease, because yeah. usually people are like, well, you know, my just heart be, is fine. I'm like, yeah, your heart is fine, but how about the rest yeah, of you? you know, just be mindful. Functions. That's what I want people to do is like, don't get caught up into some, you know. Um, Sad. Yeah, I was going to say fancy, flashy diet. Mm -hmm. That's just like, all oh, just all animal products. You know, yes. you need to eat 80%. You know, you got to do what's right for you, you know, first of all, and not just buy into this and also be aware of some of the potential dangers and not to say that right. you know the amount that you're taking in maybe it's a smaller amount and that's fine but you've got to look at the data you've got to play the long game yes. right just because bacon is super hot right now doesn't mean we got to get you know bacon for breakfast lunch and dinner you know and uh, shout out to bacon you know chocolate covered like they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff with bacon <laughs> anyways so let's go to uh phenylalanine Phenylalanine, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, let's talk about it. So dopamine mm -hmm. is another neurotransmitter that has a lot of different function in the brain. It's really important for movement and coordination, but also for like reward-driven behavior and motivation. Mm -hmm. And dopamine is made of uh, an amino acid called tyrosine. And tyrosine, in turn, is made uh, from phenylalanine. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure you have enough in the diet. But that's easy enough to do. It's not a, it's not a difficult source to find. It's very abundant in all sorts of animal foods and fish. I would say fish. If you need to get you know, good lean protein, fish is a great source. Also, fish is a great source of omega-3 fatty acids. Right. So they you get the power pack. So you can get, yeah. yeah. And then everybody <clears throat> goes like, how about mercury? Yeah. Right. How about it? How about it? So there are, um, it depends on, on how big the fish is, right? So the bigger it is, the higher the chances of mercury contamination. Mm. Uh, so it's really important to, to go for uh, fatty fish, for the brain, I'm talking about the brain, mm -hmm. right? So fatty fish, especially cold water fatty fish, which mm. is like salmon, uh, herring, trout, but also the smaller ones like mackerel, bluefish, sardines, anchovies. And the smaller ones like anchovies and sardines, they're very unlikely to have any mercury. Mm. Yes. Interesting. Mm. And so the, your so body can actually tolerate some, by the yes, way. You know, it's not like mercury touches you and you disappear. No, of course. Well, so <laughs> how much fish do you eat? Yeah. I mean, this, we're talking trace, yeah. right? Trace amount of mercury, not, yeah. not the whole that. I mean, there's, there's, there's always something to be said about common sense, I think, right? right. You can't yeah. eat fish every single day just because it doesn't make sense to do that. And also, you can't eat a pound. Yeah. Right? A good, 
proportion, depending on how tall and how muscular you are, but usually three, three ounces. I didn't know you noticed my muscles. <laughs> so this is, I'm <laughs> just kidding. So phenylalanine is a precursor, tyrosine. Yes. And then we get dopamine, dopamine, mm -hmm. which is, we're talking about our drive. We're talking about yes. happiness. Motivation. We're talking about reward. Mm -hmm. you Playing need games. this one. Yeah. When you're playing video games, it's dopamine that makes you feel like, mm. yeah. And you miss out on that more. without this. Wow. So by the <laughs> way, another source, mm. we're going to throw this in here for everybody. It's a perfect place. Phenylalanine, spirulina. Oh, the, yeah, there spirulina. you go. You talked about spirulina uh -huh. in your book. Yes. So this is a brand new study. I literally just came across this. 2018 study, brand new, just came out. This was published in Nutritional Neuroscience. Investigated whether it was possible to treat severe neonatal infection by administering a spirulina-enriched diet to the nursing mother. So not even directly to the baby, to the mom. And the researchers stated that severe infection and the associated brain inflammation can cause long-term changes to the developing brain due to oxidative stress, even after the original infection has been treated and it's mm. gone. And what they found was, after they compiled the data, a spirulina-enriched diet given to lactating mothers reduce the level of brain inflammation, all right? So spirulina reduced the levels of brain inflammation and provided an antioxidant defense for the developing neonatal brain, which this is the questions that we would ask our incredible guests, like how are they actually measuring this stuff? And so um, she's actually doing the work and in the lab and looking at things like this. And so, by the way, guys, spirulina, it's not the best. Let's just be honest. Um, it's not like, oh my, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to eat spirulina today. But it tastes really good in guacamole. I don't know if you've ever had this. No, I never tried. Yes, put I a will. little, little, but don't go too hard. Yeah. It changes to a weird color. It's like sure. not from this planet, but it, it actually tastes really good. It's a good compliment. And it makes sense. Spirulina is one of the primary kind of protein sources for mm -hmm. like the Aztecs. You know, it's just, don't get me started. But also... For me, I get this in a formula along with um, chlorella, moringa, and ashwagandha in this product called Organifi. And so this is the only, and one of the big issues is like, what are they doing to the supplement before they get it to you? Like, is this actually going to be a whole food kind of extract or is mm. it like heated, fried, right. dyed, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> or synthetic source of yeah. these nutrients. And so they do a low temperature process and they actually make it taste good. So this is, I've tried literally probably 20 different green blends over the years in the last 15 years. Finally, when the tastes amazing, my kids like it, like getting their dose of spirulina and moringa and all that good stuff. And I highly recommend folks check it out. It's Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model. You get 20% off with Organifi, all right? So head over, check it out. It feels good, like it makes you feel clean inside. All right, so. I put it in my energy bars. I you make do. energy bars. You make your home. own. I make my own, you I don't do that trust. Too. So yeah, I'll send you the recipe. And I uh, put spirulina. So Lily, my daughter, also likes them very much. Ah, uh, I love that. Mm. It, what else you put in these, by the way, since you're talking about it, what else oh, goes into the? So I have bran, oat mm -hmm. bran, um, flax seeds, yeah. I use no, omega threes. This ALA. No, no, I don't do supplements. No, much. make the uh, flaxseed. Oh, the flaxseed for yeah. omega three. Yes. Yeah, yes. But it's ALA though. ALA. Yes. This is the vegan 
with the vegetarian plant-based source of omega-3s. So what happens is that the brain uh, has access to ALA, EPA, and DHA, all three of them, but needs DHA the most. Mm. So the only natural source of DHA is from fish and seafood, basically. But the brain can use the other two forms and convert them into DHA. The problem with ALA is that over 75% is lost in the conversion. So when somebody is vegan and says, can I take this ALA, the the plant-based omega-3 supplements, they're like, yes, you can, but you need to take more to achieve the same result because 70% is lost. And one thing to keep in mind is that omega-3 actually interacts badly with specific medications, Mm -hmm. blood thinners, like aspirin. Mm-hmm. So it's very dangerous mm. to, wow. to take, take these supplements. Consideration. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, so for people over sixty, actually, mm. is a big health hazard. Yeah. And so folks that are taking a, a vegan approach is also the algae oils potentially could be yes. mm-hmm. helpful but as well. You need more. You need more. It's yeah. ALA. Still the conversion. Yes. But just getting more of a concentrated dose. Uh-huh. So these are those areas of like whatever you know might be ethics or whatever the case might be where you got to get into like oh, what allergies. am I doing for my for myself as a human versus, you know, my belief system and finding that line that you can straddle to make sure that you're still taking care of yourself. So last one I'm going to ask you about, again, there's so many things I want to ask you about. More. Is (laughs) actually really quickly, can we talk about phospholipids? Sure. So phospholipids are actually, that's really the main brain fat. We always think about cholesterol, but the brain contains more phospholipids and they really are so important because they keep your, your, brain cell membranes, fluids, and flexible, Mm -hmm. which is crucial for the brain to function. And there are many different kinds of phospholipids. There's a phosphatidylcholine, there's phosphatidylserine. Mm -hmm. So they are a fatty acid group connected with uh, either amino acids or vitamins. Okay. Right? And so phosphatidylcholine, which is perhaps the most important in many ways, has the same origin, basically. So it comes from foods that are very rich in omega-3 fatty acids, but also uh, sweet peas are mm. really good sources. Interesting, uh-huh. interesting. Like crustaceans, like crab and yeah. all kinds of different fish and shellfish, but also sweet peas. There was another one I wrote it down. Oh, cucumber. Cucumber, really? Yeah. Huh, Yeah. surprise, surprise. Yeah. Not as much as fish, but yeah. you still get some. And also there's this thing, I had tapioca. Tapioca, yeah, there I know about that. So yeah. that's also a very good source. Wow. Do you, you, I, know, I don't know. I never tried it. So it can be, it's great for like baking, uh, you know, a lot of flour. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's especially like if you're using alternative flours instead of, you know, the wheat. Yeah. Bleached, mm-hmm. fried, dyed, fricasseed, whatever <laughs> flour. But, you know, like yeah. if people are using like coconut flour, yes. it can really help um, to kind of add that, mm, that so missing note. A bit more texture. Yeah. Perhaps. So, um, last one I want to ask you about, which wasn't the phospholipids, the okay. omega threes. So let's circle yeah. back to the omega threes mm-hmm. and talk about. Well, you've mentioned it several times, but yeah. let's pin down best sources because it's essential. Right. So the best sources. It depends if if we're interested in animal sources or plant sources. What do we start with? Animals because they're better. Both. Right. So fish. Um, well, caviar is my number one, or salmon raw, or mm-hmm. fish eggs are really the, the most, uh, the highest and richest sources on the planet. Salmon is good, but not nearly as 
rich, frankly. Uh, herring, mackerel, sardines, anchovies, trout, fatty, fatty fish. Got it, got mm -hmm. it. And then for the vegetarian side, for the we plant got source is chia. Flax seeds. Chia, yes, but flax seeds are better. Flax mm -hmm. seeds and hemp. And hemp, seeds. yeah. Hemp big seeds, fan. Big in California. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, chia seeds, walnuts, soybeans, yeah. and then oats, spirulina. Spirulina. That's what I was trying. Yeah, it's yeah. actually a good source of omega threes. Wow, so cool. And wheat, wheat actually, mm -hmm. believe it, grains are not that bad. <laughs> actually, good for you. Yeah. So, and there's so much in the book, and I want to share this study really quickly. Uh, a landmark study of six thousand participants, ages sixty-five years or older, showed that people who consumed low quantities of omega threes had a seventy percent higher risk. Of developing Alzheimer's yeah. than those who consumed more omega threes, yeah. and you have several insights like that. You even talk about mm -hmm. the wheat perspective as well in your book. Mm -hmm. And so, just to get a holistic understanding and to look at, um, to, to to look at some things that and think about things we've never thought about before. I think that mm -hmm. everybody should definitely pick up a copy Thank of you. Brain Food. I think it's phenomenal. And I've got one final question okay. for you before I let you go. No, not okay. at all. <laughs> I want to ask you personally, what uh, what is the model mm. that you're here to set for other people mm -hmm. with how you live your life personally? Mm -hmm. So, um, well, I think it's really about knowledge. That's what I'm most interested in, truth. I'm very curious. I've always been, and I I have a hard time just going with trends. Like there are, there are so many trends out there and I really, I really um, appreciate originality, like being your own self and just the understanding that everybody's different yeah. and everybody has different risks and different stresses and different strengths and really know yourself and embrace yourself. Don't just follow what other people say blindly because it's not, I think it's a very poor use of your time and resources in some ways. I think it's very important to just really understand things and ask questions and get smart about things and then make your own choices yeah. and your own decisions. I take the advice, but be critical about what, what's been said, especially when it comes to food. There are a lot of people with a lot of different opinions. Yeah. You know, credentials do matter yeah. in some ways. Not, not always, not all the time, but they, they, they do set a good basis for credibility and experience, mostly. I think experience, so knowledge and experience. I, I really strive to, to have some of both. Mm. Mm -hmm. And you've done it well. Thank you Thank so you. much. And can you let everybody know where they can find your book? They can find my book on Amazon and wherever books are found in all bookstores. And my website is lisamasconi.com. There's more information about the research, and if anybody would like to get in touch and talk more, I'd be happy to. Awesome. <laughs> Lisa, thank you so much. Thank Dr. you. Dr. Lisa Moscone. Thank you for having me. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. Again, it's one of my top 10 books of the year. So much insight. So many of those small things that help to affirm some of the things you might have been interested in or or thought that you knew about, but bringing some real solid evidence to it and also dispelling some myths, right? So understanding like your brain, all the fat you're eating, for example, is not just automatically being used by your brain. 
your brain has the capacity to make its own cholesterol, right? This is not going to be something that's going to be influenced by how many eggs you eat, all right? So these little insights can really be uh, a curative factor in us understand or getting rid of the misunderstanding about our brains and really mastering our health. And so I hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. If you did, please share it out on social, tag me, and let me know what you thought about the episode, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. And just share it with the people you care about. You know, again, one of the biggest fears that people have is it's not necessarily the fear of death. It's the fear of, in essence, dying partially while we're alive and not being able to remember the people that we care about. And also from the other perspective of the people that you love losing these faculties. And so we want to make sure that we're not just adding years to our lives, but also more lives to our years. And I think that this is one of the big solutions is learning more about how incredible brains work. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. Take care. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk to you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.